I mean, you're so, he don't like to smile. He don't like, he's just down all the time and, you know, oh, yeah. You know how it is. And so you got to get your soul by the back of the neck and say, be happy. Like Paul said, I think myself happy. And you got to tell your soul, yeah, you stop whining and griping and complaining and you start worshiping God. You got something good to praise God about. That soul, I tell you what, it's something else, man, in all of us. Praise God. Let's go to Revelation chapter 6, and uh, we'll start with verse 1. We're looking at the seals. Today will be the third seal. We're looking at it in the Word of the Lord. Praise God. How many of y'all are blessed by the book of Revelation? I hope that you're not getting weary as we go through it. Amen, because I'm not. I just, I love the book of Revelation. Praise God. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse, he that sat on him had a bow, a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon, to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Verse 5, here we go. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. Now, who's the third beast? Well, verse 7 of chapter 4 tells us, The third beast had the face as a man. 4 and 7. So it says this third beast, watch this, verse 5, And when he had opened the third seal I heard the third beast see how God keeps everything together he don't open the third seal with the second beast calling it forth he calls the third seal with the third beast he calls the second seal with the second beast he calls the first seal with the first beast because they all all numbers and everything lay out in symmetry in God's word so this third beast calls uh, this rider to come forth and the Bible says and behold a and lo a black horse he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, or a denarius, and three measures of barley for a penny, or a denarius. See thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Amen. Y'all ready? Let's, let's read it together. Let's do that. Praise God. Y'all want to read the word of the Lord with me together? Revelation 6, 5, together. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the thirst beast say, Come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, bless your holy word today as it goes forth. Inspire us and instruct us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's talk about that first beast, or this third beast, I should say, that is calling forth this third rider, this third seal, all right? Again, go to Revelation 4 and verse 7. The first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had the face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. So we know this third beast is a, is a man. 
and it's linked to this rider on a black horse. Let's talk about this man just a little bit. Number one, it speaks to us of the Lord. It speaks to us of God coming in the flesh. It talks to us, it speaks to us of the mystery of godliness. Now go back to Ezekiel, please. In Ezekiel chapter 1. And we'll look at these beasts once again. Ezekiel 1. The Bible tells us what they represent. Okay, verse 1. In the latter part of that verse, the Bible says that the heavens were open and Ezekiel sees visions of God. Visions of God. Amen. And in the fifth day of the month, he goes on, he talks about the fifth year of a king. Verse 3, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest. Go down with me, verse 4. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind coming out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was the, their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. So all of these, these four living creatures here are in the likeness of a man. But they have all different faces here. All right, with me here? One in the face of a lion, the face of a calf, the face of a man, and the face of an eagle. But they are all in the likeness of a man, and it's the visions of God. So it's showing us here God as a man. We see God coming forth, and that's why they're, they're there, is to depict God, to depict, to depict a vision of God. So you'll understand more about God, primarily and specifically about when God comes as a man. Isn't that awesome? On one side of a face, we got an ox. On another side, we got the face of a lion. But then there's no side to the face of the man and the eagle, the man and the eagle. There's no sides to that, named Ezekiel. So when we look in Revelation chapter 6 and we see this third beast, the man, he's the face of the man, he's calling forth this rider. This beast then represents God come in the flesh. It represents a manifestation of God, a vision of God. It speaks, number one, of Jesus. But number two, the beast speaks of his tribes. Because each one of the tribes had one of those faces on the banners that they carried. So these creatures then speak to us of God. Number one, manifest in the flesh. Number two, God manifests in the flesh you. You don't want to miss that. Because God is manifesting Himself in us today. In mankind. And it speaks to us of a man child. This man speaks to us of a man-child individually and it speaks to us of a man-child corporately all right so this man now go to revelation 12 i don't want to lose you here there's some very something very powerful in these passages revelation 12 the bible talks about a wonder in heaven verse 1 there appeared a great wonder in heaven a woman clothed with the sun Who's that woman? Well, specifically Israel in the Old Testament, church in the New Testament, and also Israel in the future. But also, amen, women speak of the harlots. 
But it speaks, when you talk about a true woman, you speak of the church, okay? So this church, the Bible says, this woman is clothed with the sun. That's her garments. And the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. That's the, the constellations. Amen. Also the 12 tribes of Israel. and They represent the church. Verse 2. And she being with a child, tried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and he had cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child. All right, so this church here is seeing, this is interesting to me. We are beyond the birth of Christ in Revelation. Jesus has already been born. He is the first man-child, though. In Revelation 12, this man-child, though, is not just the Lord. It's a people. It's a people. So when you see this rider coming forth, it's called by the man. It's called by the man-child. What I'm trying to show you is that the purpose of the church, the woman, is to produce a man. Okay? A man. Now, Ephesians 4, go there. Look at this. I'm talking about a man, about God manifesting the flesh. How is God manifest today? Through his people, right? Galatians 4. The Bible talks about this fivefold ministry that's in the church. Have I lost you right now? We're talking about the beast with the face of a man depicts Christ and depicts his people. Okay, Ephesians 4 talks about a, a, the church. It talks about the fivefold ministry and their purpose. In verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Well, for? For the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints... For the work of ministry. It's my job to perfect you for ministry, for service. Also for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till or until we come into the unity of the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect Man. There's the man child. The purpose of the church is to bring you into a place of maturity and perfection. Unto a perfect man or a man child. You see this. So the church is going to produce then a man child. And this man child, hello man child. Why y'all looking at me like that? Lord, I have a challenge. Unto the, what is this? Okay, number one, look at this. What are we growing up into? Who are we becoming like? 
Number one, it says we are the perfect man. We are growing up into a perfect man. Uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he is the example. He is the true man child. But God talks about a man that is growing up and being perfected by the church. So the woman's responsibility is to produce a man child. The responsibility of the church is to produce a mature people who reflect Christ. Colossians says, growing up in, into him, which is the head. Christ, which is the head. So, my responsibility is to get you to grow up. Okay? And mature. Now, how tall are you this morning? Are you at his knees? Are you at his ankles? You're growing up into Christ. You understand? Let us grow up in Him. Right? Growing up in Him which is the head. So He wants you to grow up. He wants you to grow up into headship. Into completion. Into perfection. So when I see this beast then it speaks to me about the Lord. But it speaks to me about you. It speaks to me about what God is doing in the earth. And how he's using a woman at church to bring forth a perfect man. Now, none of us have arrived completely yet. But God's purpose for fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints. The perfect, perfect man or the man child. Do you understand me so far? <laughs> We're in church. It is about... Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1045. This is Odessa, Texas. Uh, this is Bible-centered fellowship. No, no, no. I got to tell some of you where you are. Because it looks like you don't have any idea. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about husbands and wives too. I mean... I'm, I'm, I want us to find ourselves this morning. Okay, okay. Have you found yourself? Have you looked? Good. That's, that's good. That's good. I, I was just worried about you a little bit. That, see, I know where I am. I, I, I mean, I started off. I came out of the chute. And I know exactly where I am. Hallelujah. I, I don't have time to wait for you to catch up with me. I need you to get with me here today. Okay, so I need to kind of tell you where you are. Okay, gird up the loins of your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, you ready for the word now? Right, okay. That's good. That's good. See, God is going to grow up some people. Hallelujah. Now, they're, they're, you know, you got to understand there's some people that just don't want to grow up. <laughs> and they're always going to be babies. All right? And, and, and guess what? I, I don't lose sleep over them. And I know some of them that I pastor, hallelujah, and I know when they're going to be in church and when they're not. You don't even have to tell me. I knew who was, going, who was not going to be here this morning. Nobody had to tell me. See, I know in the spirit, I know where people are. And I don't lose people over people. I don't sleep, lose sleep over people who don't want to grow up into what God wants them to become in this last day. Because ultimately, God is going to have a 
people. And Romans 8 talks about the manifestation of the sons of God. So when I talk about this man coming forth, I am talking about a people who are going to manifest the Father. And the purpose of the church is to grow people up to a perfect man as sons so they can manifest the Father. See, you know, we go around and we want God to manifest us. We want God to make us known. But that's not what this is about. This is not about God making us known. When I talk about the manifestation of the sons of God, I'm not talking about a time when we're going to put on a Superman's cape and fly over buildings and leap over buildings in a single bound. You know, there's some people that have that concept about the manifestation of the sons of God. That it's some someday they're going to be like Superman. They walk into a like Clark Kent. You know, they walk into the telephone booth and walk out, and they got Superman cape, and you know they leap buildings with a single bound. They fly. Okay, but until, you know, but then they have a, a, a Krypton, a crisis. Instead of being a Superman, they become underdog. This is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, when we talk about the manifestation of the sons of God here, we're not talking about God manifesting us. We're talking about the sons manifesting the Father. See, that's what it's all about. It's, it's not about, oh God, what are you going to do for me? When are you going to manifest me? No, it's us manifesting Him in a fullness, in a glory. Do you understand? It is God raising up saviors. Now, there's only one Savior. But it's God raising up saviors, Obadiah. Talks about saviors. Those are, that's the man-child. And the purpose of the man-child is to go forth and to get people out of a false religious system. And to manifest the King, the glory of God. The sons of the Most High God shall possess the kingdom. Okay? So it's a people who are going to possess the kingdom of God, manifest the kingdom, manifest the Father, because the Son always shows you Daddy. You look at my Son... You're going to see me in him. Okay? Praise the Lord. Because that's just the way it is. The purpose of the son is so that somebody can see the father. The purpose of you is so that somebody can see the father in you. Not see you, but see the father in you. All right? And so these people are people who are going to manifest God's kingdom. Manifestation of the sons of God are then the manifestation of the Father or the manifestation of the Son through the sons. Do you understand? And it is a people who are going to bring other people out of false doctrine. Pagan religious system. Let me give you an example. And I'm not going to stay here too long. But let me give you an example. Not only Obadiah, the saviors that are there, but the judges were man-child people. Moses, particularly today, I want to talk about Moses because he is in the third millennium of history. 
and he's related to the third seal. Okay? When you talk about Moses, Moses was a man-child. A woman, Jacobed, Jacobed, made an ark. An ark speaks of headship. That's where his head is in the tabernacles in the ark. Jesus' head. Anyway, a woman, say a, a woman, he's a type of the church. She makes an ark of bulrushes. Isaiah 58, we talked about the reed and the rush not long ago out of Isaiah 35. But let's go to Isaiah 58 and let's talk about this reed, this rush. Now, if you want to grow up, you know, and, be, and become in God what He has planned, then it's good that you're here. If, if you don't, then you might as well stay home like some do. Okay, Isaiah 58. Watch this, okay? Are you with me still? Get the verse here. Verse 5. Is it such a fast that I have chosen to bow down his head as a bulrush? Now, I'm going to stop right there. A bulrush is somebody who bows their head to the government of God. So when this woman, Jochebed, and by the way, Jochebed and Amram, both their names are connected to the glory of God. Okay, and Moses wanted to see the glory of God. So it's all interlinked and intertwined with the glory of God. You find the glory of God in the seventh realm. Okay, with me? Mm -hmm. Which is the same as the third realm in grace. Okay? Seven days from Adam to the kingdom. Three days from Christ to the kingdom. So the seventh day and the third day are the same. The third day of grace is the seventh day from Adam. So they're the same. The seventh and the third, they're the same. And so Jochebed and Amram would speak of the glory, which is the seventh day or the kingdom or the throne of God, the headship. Then they, this woman builds this little ark, which speaks of headship, growing up in him, which is the head, even Christ. Okay. She makes this little ark out of what? Bulrushes. Why bulrushes? Because Isaiah 58 shows us they are a picture of a people who bow the head. Okay, and we preached about the bulrush, the, the mire, and all of that not long ago. But these people are a people who have bowed the head. They have surrendered their life to Him. They have made Him the Lord and the King of their lives. They let him tell them where to go, how to go, and when to go. They've learned to bow. And they, listen, and this little baby Moses, who's a man child in this basket of bulrushes, the Bible says she, that he is found by a Pharaoh's daughter. And this little Moses is going to be used by God as a man child to bring Israel out of Egypt. And that's what God, he's going to have a people that have bowed their knees and bowed their heads to him and are growing up into Christ, which is the head. 
in kingdom operation and glory going forth and bringing people out of paganism out of false religious systems that was the purpose of Moses are you with me up to this point whoa so God is raising up by the church the woman perfecting a man a man child at some point the focus is not going to be upon the woman realm of the church the moon is under her feet so she's gone beyond the woman manifestation of just being the bride of Christ she is going to produce the man child which is the corporate man the corporate body the sons of God who are going to manifest the father possess the kingdom Go forth in this last hour, in these last days, and bring people out of a beast system, bring them out of paganism, and they are governed by God. They bowed their knee and their head to God, and they are overcomers. The number 144 speaks of the overcomer, and so we see 144,000 in the book of Revelation. And that 144,000 speaks to us of this corporate man, this man-child, not just natural Israel, but it speaks of a seed of God, the spiritual seed of God that's going to come forth, and they are overcomers. And no wonder in Revelation, when you get over to the book of Revelation, you see this city. The Bible talks about the wall. And in connection with the wall, 144. So it shows a people who are the wall to this city. They are overcomers. They overcome the beast. They're going to overcome the beast system. And they're going to bring people out of that pagan system. So God, if you want to know where you're going or where we should be going... I just told you. See, it's much more than just going to church. Hallelujah. And saying, and so that you can feel, you know, feel like that, well, I've been to church, so I, I got, you know, my conscience taken care of. Because you know, I know if I wouldn't have gone to church, they would have felt bad. Well, it's much more than just, you know, going to church because you don't want to feel bad. It is so that God can perfect you into a manifestation of himself into a perfect man so that you'll manifest Christ just like Moses did in his days so y'all with me up to this point so that woman has got the moon under her feet and she's clothed with the sun which speaks of God's glory that God is called the sun so she's clothed with his glory hallelujah she's got a crown of 12 stars which speak to to me it speaks to me of the constellations in the heaven so you'll understand that she's governed she understands those things in the heavens she stays in the heavenly realm don't let anybody displace you or take your mind out of the heavenly realm. You need to get your mind in the heavens today. In the heavenly realm. Clothe with the sun and have the stars on your head. Be in the heavens today. Get your woman in the heavens today. But it also speaks to me of a people who are under the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 
They walk in the doctrine of the apostles. They understand it. They're crowned with that message of the finished work. They're crowned with the message of the apostles. And they go forth into a pagan world and bring people out by the message of the apostles of the Lamb. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's that people that produces the man-child. Amen. That's where we're going. But having said that, then this man speaks of Christ or God manifests in the flesh. You see that beast, God manifests in the flesh, but not just Christ alone, but in, in a people. Hallelujah. Beautiful. And maybe as we go through the book of Revelation, we'll, we'll talk to you more about this so you'll understand the man child more and more. But Revelation chapter 6, let's look at this again then. We've got this man child calling forth this rider. The Bible says, And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Now, how do you get to that place of a finished work? How do you move to a place of perfection? How do you get to that throne room realm? Through the work of this black horse rider. Okay. Number one, it speaks to us of redemption. Black horse rider. He which knew no sin became sin for us. Red horse rider. Black horse rider. Black speaks of spiritual death. So he took my place in the place of my spiritual death. He's given me life. This rider, listen, speaks to me of Christ and his work first. Okay? And that's the way this man-child this man is going to come forth in the last days is they've got a revelation of the doctrine of the apostles. They've got a revelation of what they preach and what they preach. They preach the work of the cross and how you apply that to your life. Okay? So they've got understanding. They've got his name in their forehead. They have understanding. They have his character. They have his nature. They manifest his nature. Glory is seen upon their face. But how did they get there? How did that 144,000 get there on Mount Zion? Because Mount Zion is a people who have come out of the church. Mount Zion are a people who have come out of that which has come out. And made it to the top of the mountain. How did the 144,000, how did they get on Mount Zion at the top there? With the lamb standing in their midst. How did they get there? They got there because they had a revelation of a new day. They have a, they look clothed with the sun. They've got a revelation of a new day and that new day was brought in by the finished work of the cross. And they're feeding on the lamb. They follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. They are spirit-led people who've got an understanding and a revelation of the cross. And that's what takes them all the way to Mount Zion to the top with Jesus standing with them, standing with them. 
Not just seated, but standing with them. Standing in the midst of them. And that's just not to me, not just a geographical location. That's a spiritual location. That's him standing with you. Standing up in you. We preached the message not long ago in the book of Acts. Let Christ stand up in you. When Jesus stands up in a people. That's what we're talking about. The man child is when Jesus stands up in a people. If you think this is all there is to it. I've got news for you. You haven't seen anything yet. You wait till he stands up in a, in a man-child people. A people who perfected. A people who mature. A people who bowed down to his government. People possessing the kingdom of God. A people who made it all the way to Mount Zion. An elect out of an elect. You haven't seen anything yet. The way they got there was by the work of the cross. And it's because Jesus took their spiritual darkness and their spiritual blackness away at the cross. No wonder it says when he died on the cross that the sun was darkened. Because he put out earthly rulers and world rulers and did a decreation. And that's why this woman now is clothed with a sun. She's got the true ruler in her life. The true king is in her life. The true sun reigning is in her life. The moon under her feet. Moving from one realm to another realm. But the moon under her feet also speaks of a dark situation. Talking about ruling in the dark time. Ruling in the black horse time. How did we get victory over Satan? How did we get victory over spiritual darkness? How did we get victory over spiritual death? By the work of the cross. And it's application in our life and walking out everything that was done for us. And having an understanding of what it did for us. And how we got the victory over the beast. How we got the victory over Satan. He took my place. He took the black hole into himself. He took the darkness into himself. When he hung on the cross and defeated darkness at the cross. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you? So I see this rider come forward that's got balances in his hand. Okay? Represents what I just said it represented. Now watch this. When I go to the constellation, you can sit down. When I go to those 12 stars, that crown with 12 stars, and I go into the heavens and I look at the constellations, I see in the constellations... Something that will help me understand what this rider with the balances <clears throat> mean. There is a constellation in the heavens called Libra. Libra is balances. Say balances. When you look at this rider coming forth, the Bible says he's got balances in his hand. He's got Libra in his hand with me up to this point he's going to weigh something he's going to measure something and he's talking about the bread here very valuable bread I want you to see this a little different very pricely very costly bread 
I have never in my life seen bread that cost a denarius or in that day a whole day's wages. Maybe in history that's happened. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I personally have never seen anybody take everything they've made in one day to go to buy. Let's just put in the common vernacular here, a loaf of bread. But there's coming a time when this black horse rider comes forth. He's got balances in his hand. And here's what he says about this. He says, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. So the wheat and the barley is connected to the balance. And it says it, it, it's going to cost a penny. It's going to cost a denarius, which was a day's wages in, in that time. All right? So whatever he's talking about here is this wheat and this barley is extremely costly. Very, very expensive wheat and barley. One measure of wheat for a whole day's wages and three measures of barley. See, three and barley are connected because barley speaks of the resurrection. See, third seal. Doesn't it seem right and appropriate that God would have the third seal talk to you about barley? Three measures of barley. And barley speaks of the resurrection. It talks about a measure of wheat for a denarius and Wheat speaks of the crucifixion. Wheat, are you here? Speaks of the crucifixion. It speaks of the word of the Lord God. A sower went forth to sow. And the seed that he sowed is the word of God. That's the wheat. Matthew 13, he talks about in that same parable, kingdom parable, he talks about the wheat and the tares. And he says the wheat are the sons of the kingdom. And the tares are those that were sown by the dark one. The evil one. And so what you have in this depicted then is you have the wheat and the barley. The wheat and the barley. The wheat speaks of John 12. Speaks of his death for us. Very costly. The barley speaks of the resurrection from the dead. So three measures of barley for Denarius. It speaks to us of the word of God. The message that's going to be preached by the man child. They're going to preach. They're going to have bread and wine in their hands. They're going to preach the finished work. Of this rider on this horse with balances in his hand. Very costly, costly message. The bread is very costly. The word is very costly. It's the seed that is producing signs. So the bread is costly. That's sown. The word is costly. And the sons that produce are produced from that seed are the wheat. So when you talk about the wheat, you're talking about the word. You're talking about his finished work, his death. You're talking about the word of God. And you're talking about the people of God. And all of them are extremely rare and costly. When you talk about these things, the book of Amos says, in Amos 9, he said, there's coming a time when there's going to be a famine in the land. 
But then the Spirit explains it. He said, it's not a famine of bread and water. He said, it's not natural bread. And it's not natural water. He said, it's a famine of hearing the Word of God. And he said, they're going to travel from one place to another to hear the Word of God. It's going to be rare. And all across this nation, in churches today, the preaching of the Word of God is rare. The flow of God in a church is a rare thing. All across this nation, the bread and the barley are rare. They're extremely valuable and very costly. So if you're in a church that's got the flow of God in it, you better not take it lightly. Because all across this nation, there are churches that would love to have a move of God in their midst. You need to value what you've got. If you've got the Spirit flowing in you, you've got the oil, you've got the anointing in your midst, you better thank God for it. Because all across this nation, there are people that drive hundreds of miles one way just to hear the Word of God preached. And so if you're in a church that has the Word of God preached, and you're hearing the Word of God preached, and there's a flow, there's an anointing in that church, it's rare. It costs. It's pricey. It's very valuable. And people in Amos 9 said they're going to travel from one place of the earth to another place of the earth to be able to hear. Now, I'm not boasting about anything we're doing here. I'm just telling you right now, you better not take this lightly. Because I, if you only knew the churches across America that would just love to be able to feel God in them. Just love to have oil there. Just love to have an anointing there. Just love to have a flow of God in them. And the word of God preached to them. If you only knew how rare that was. We need to get a revelation of the costliness of this great, valuable, awesome Word of God that I preach to you today. We need to understand how rare it is to have. And I'm telling you the truth, there are people in this nation that travel hundreds of miles. I'm telling you the truth, hundreds of miles, one way just to hear the Word of God. It's rare. So if you got to drive across from across town, or you got to drive from Midland, or you got to drive from Andrews, or whatever, that's nothing. There are big cities. You have to drive 30 miles in big cities to get from one side to the other side. That's nothing, man. The Bible says, he tells us there's going to be a time when people are going to travel from one place of the earth to the other place of the earth just to hear the word of the living God. And yes, in an ultimate sense, I believe that that's going to be in the... This particular time, the third year of the tribulation period, when the third seal is opened up, just before you go into the midweek of the tribulation period, there's going to be a famine in the land. But there's going to be 144,000 people, 144,000 Israelites that are going to go forth, the overcomers, and they're going to do what? They're going to preach the word of the living God. It's going to be rare in that day. Rare. 
costly. But it's that way today. The word is rare. Praise God. You know, most churches you go to today, they give you one, two, or three points, and they give you a little philosophy, and you walk out, and you don't have no, you don't know nothing about the word of God. It's rare to have the word expounded and declared and ex- explained to you so that you can walk it out and understand it. Because God wants you to walk out this word. He wants this seed that you're receiving to produce sons in the kingdom. And you need to understand it. It costs somebody something. Might not have cost you anything. But it costs somebody something. So we need to be thankful for what we've got. We need to be thankful for the word of the living God. We need to be thankful for the flow of God in our midst. We need to be thankful. Never get nonchalant. Never get lukewarm. Never get carefree about this. What's valuable today is not the American economy. What's valuable today, it's not, there's no value in that. There is some value. It helps you live in this world. But the value that God places value on is the bread, the wheat, and the barley. That's where God puts the value. That's where God puts the significance. That's what's important to God. It's not how big my house is, how big my car is, how big my bank account is. What's significant and important to God is the bread, the Word of God that goes forth. And the flow of the Spirit in the midst of that church. Manifesting the Father. Manifestation of God in their midst. A manifestation man. Clothing the Word of God. The Word made flesh. And coming forth with balances in their hands. And showing the people how rare and how valuable that Word is. That's what's important to God. I'm telling you. It might not be important to Americans. But it's important to God. There are people who can't get a Bible. In certain parts of the world. They can't even get a Bible much less hear it preached. There are people in other parts of the world that don't have a pastor they can go to to baptize them in Jesus' name. It's rare. It's rare. It's rare all over the world. It's it's rare in America. It's costly. It's valuable. See, and I think about here, as I talk about these balances, I think about in Daniel chapter 5, I think about a king. Bible says, he said, bring forth the vessels of God. Bring them forth. He put wine on the inside of them. He made a mockery of the vessels of God. Listen, are you with me today? Those vessels of God speak to us of people who carry valuable things. They carry the true wine. They carry valuable things. Whenever that man called for the vessels of God, in the vessels of God were rare, very rare things. And about that time as they were all partying down and thought it was all about their kingdom, thought it was all about what they were doing, making the same mistake as their daddy made. Same mistake that Nebuchadnezzar had made. Now Belshazzar is making that same mistake, forgetting that God rules in the kingdoms of men. 
and gives it to whomsoever he will. But you see, Belshazzar forgot that. He made the same mistake his daddy made. He forgot that the Most High God rules in the kingdoms of men. You better not, I better not ever forget that the Most High God rules in the kingdoms of men. And he gives it to whoever he will. And as they were self-focused in their kingdom and everything, all of a sudden, a man, ten, began to write on the wall, on the plaster, over against the light there. What is God saying? King doesn't understand. What in the world is God saying? So he calls for the soothsayers. Or the soothsayers. They fill American pulpits. They are soothsayers. They only soothe. They tickle the ears of men. But they can't produce the answer. He called for the soothsayers. They didn't have the answer. He called for the wise men. The theologians. And the theologians didn't have the answer. Chaldeans. Those that are supposed to interpret dreams. They didn't have the answers. In whom is the spirit. (laughs) He's got oil in his vessel. He's got the spirit of the living God inside of him. He can give you the answer. He can tell you what many, many, your farson means. He can tell you what God is saying. Because God's spirit is inside of him. The soothsayers have not the answer. The theologians don't have the answer. The prognosticators and, and those who read poems and try to interpret things in this world, they don't have the answer. The Chaldeans don't have the answer. But there's a people like Daniel who are going to walk in this earth. They are a man-child people like Daniel. And they're going to understand the kingdom of God. And they're going to understand that God rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomsoever He wills. And, oh, king, you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And so because you didn't learn from your daddy, you didn't learn from the mistake of your daddy, and you got carnal and you got fleshly and thought that you were the one that produced this kingdom. Tonight, your kingdom is going to be taken from you. His kingdom fell that very, very night because he was weighed in the balance and found wanting. I'm telling you, it's a rare thing to have the spirit of the living God inside of a man. To have the spirit of the living God inside of a woman. It goes forth like a Daniel and declares God's kingdom rules in the kingdoms of men. And he gives it to whomsoever he wants. And you need to learn from the mistake of your daddy. He didn't bow down to that king. He ran around like a wild beast. 
But the spirit of the living God that was inside of Daniel defeated that beast. says I've got the answer I know what God is saying in this hour tell you that's rare that's rare that's rare a search has to be made for somebody and I'm looking at you I pray at some point that we become that people that the people of this world they're getting tired of being patted on their back when they go to church they're getting tired they just had their conscience sued but they have no answer and they have no direction and they're waiting the balance and they know they're coming up wanting they're wanting they're lacking they're tired of the soothsayers they're tired of the witch doctors that stand behind their pulpits they're tired of all that stuff they want to hear the word of God they want to they want to experience the anointing the oil and the bread and the barley that's very costly very, very pricey. What we have is very pricey. Very costly. And I know that many of you treasure it. But what you need to understand is this word that goes forth is going to produce a seed. It's going to produce sons in the kingdom. It's going to re- reproduce itself in the sons of the kingdom. They're going to go forth like Daniel with a word from God. With understanding from God. With the spirit of the living God inside of them. At the same time. What's going to make the difference is this. That pagan king of Babylon had the vessels of God. The problem is the way he responded to them. See that's what's going to make the difference. Is what you do with this wheat. What you do with that seed. If it's valuable to you, if it's precious to you, if it's a vessel of God that's coming forth out, are you with me here? How you respond to the vessel, how you respond to the word is going to determine what happens to you. How this king, this pagan king responded to the vessels determined what happened to him. And that very night, he died. He experienced the balances that were weighed there and found wanting. And God said, you deserve judgment. Because you had a precious vessel. But you did not respond correctly to that vessel. And because of that, you're dying tonight. I'm telling you, God is going to do that. He's going to ride forth with balances in His hand. And in this particular constellation of Libra, it is seen that it is seen a man coming forth. Okay? With a pair of balances in his hand. In wrath. Coming forth in wrath. But with a lamb. In his arm. To show you that the lamb took your place. But if you reject the lamb. Then sure famine awaits you. Horrible, horrifying, terrifying starvation awaits you. Death awaits you. Because you did not respond to the treasure, the vessels of God. So I would rather experience the lamb. I would rather experience the lamb's work that exacted the balance. So that I don't have to be lacking. Can understand his work exacted the balance. The finished work of the cross. And I don't want to be like that king's son 
who is found wanting when God weighs every one of us in a balance and says to this one you were wanting you were lacking I don't want God to say that to me I don't want to be like that king I don't want a soothsayer I don't want a wise man I don't want a Chaldean in my life because I'll be found wanting I'll be found lacking I need a Daniel in my life I need a prophet in my life I need a man child in my life to call for it the rider on the horse that's got the balances in his hand which brings judgment and wrath upon those that reject a Christ rejecting world but brings salvation with the balances exacted by the finished work of the cross that's got the bread got the barley got the wine got the oil got the blood got the anointing got the message and go forth Declaring it into a pagan world. Bringing them out of that darkness. And I believe there's going to come a time. When the pagan world that's in the dark horse. That's in that darkness. That spiritual darkness. Where the demonic rules and reigns in their life. Are going to go to people like you. And say Daniel. Give me an answer. I've been to the psychologists. They don't have an answer. Give me an answer oh Daniel. I hear the Spirit of God lives inside. Tell me what God is saying to me. What is God saying to me? Because I don't want to be found wanting. I need the Lamb. I don't need the wrath. I need the Lamb of the living God. It's coming someday. Are you with me today? Job talked about the balance. He said it speaks of integrity. He said, weigh me in the balance to see. To determine my integrity. This speaks of a people who walk in the word of God. And understand its rareness and its value. Who hear from God. And are tired of the soothsayers. And the wise men. And the Chaldeans. They want something real. They want something spiritual. And only this people who have integrity. The balance has been weighed. And you've been found as a person of integrity. Oh, yeah, well, that's what we need in God's house. Is men and women of integrity. Men and women of character. Do you know that God will send forth Satan into our lives to sift the wheat? Do you know that he will use oxen to pull the sledge? Over your head to bust the outer shell of the chaff so that the precious grain can come out of the chaff of the wheat. He uses the oxen to bust your head. Hallelujah. He uses Satan to sift your wheat, honey. He's going to sift me. He's going to sift you so that the pure wheat will come forth. A people of integrity, a people of character. Weigh me in the balance to determine my character, O oh God. I will respond to your word. I will walk in your word. I will bow my head down. I will submit myself to your government, God. Because I don't want to be like that king. Weigh in the balance is found wanting. I don't want my integrity to be questioned. I don't want my character to be questioned. There are a lot of people who claim to be called to preach have no character. 
They have no integrity. God is looking for people who are precious and rare and value. Rare character, rare integrity. People that are what they are every time, all the time. Not just in church, but everywhere they go. What you see is what you get. You can take Daniel and put him in a, in a den of lions. You can take Daniel and say, you can't pray, Daniel. But Daniel's nonetheless going to do the same that he's always done, the Bible says. He's a man of integrity, a man of character. Not one thing one place and another thing in another place. Lives and manifests the Son of God everywhere they go. Get your concordance out and look up the word balance in connection with integrity in the book of Job. See, and we're in the book of Job on Wednesday nights. That's why God allowed Satan to hit Job so that Satan could purify the wheat. So that Satan would sift that man. See, Satan going to sift you, man. God going to use Satan. I said he going to use Satan to sift you wheat. He's going to use the ox to bust your hide. You don't believe me, go to read, read, read Isaiah 28 sometime. Talks about the way God deals with the with the grain. You know? He says, some of it you gotta just roll over it with a roller, man. Some of it you gotta take a stick and pop pop beat it with a stick. Then he talks about certain kinds of bread though. That there are certain kinds of bread that are easily broken. You don't have to take a stick on certain kind of bread. Because certain kind of bread, precious bread, rare bread, costly bread. You don't have to take a stick to that. Because they're easily broken. But there's some, man, you got to bust their hide with a sledge. You, oh, yeah. There's some people, you got to take a stick after them. You don't look at me like that. I'm in the Word of God. See, I don't see some of you think. I know what I'm supposed to do. Just preach the Word of God. So I want to be the precious, rare bread that's easily broken in the hands of the Lord. And he goes on and he says that God gives wisdom to that man to show him when he needs to use the roller or when he needs to use a stick or when he's dealing with the precious bread that's easily broken. God gives wisdom. See, hallelujah. There's some people that are hide so thick. Their flesh is so strong. A man of God's got to roll over them, man. Got to bust their hide with a hammer, with a sledge. And then there's some need a stick. The ox got to get a stick out. I'm telling you, read the Word of God. But there's some people, man, that they are so easily broken, all you got to do is look at them. You just got to give them that look. You know you're wrong. You know you're wrong. And they'll just start crying right there. They'll just break down and weep right there because their heart's big for God easily broken rare before God it's a rare thing for people to be able to, to come in the presence of the Lord hear his word and it does something in them where they just break and they weep so where of God does it his presence does it they start crying easily broken man. and for other people you gotta have their heart busted Gotta have a stick. Gotta take a stick to them. And then they start crying. Oh, you busted my hide. Oh, you took a stick to me. That's right, I had to. How many times God had to take a stick after me? 
How many times God had to take a sledge and roll over me? See, I'm trying to get to a place now where I'm easily broken. And I'm that precious bread. It's easily broken in his hands. The rare bread is in the balances. So this rider comes forth. And then, of course, Libra speaks of redemption. Because uh, those balances, again, they don't just speak of famine that's going to come in the natural. But they speak of something very precious. They speak of redemption. Libra, one name for Libra, the scales Libra, is redemption. Also, one uh, group in the world calls it the, the station of propitiation. It's the work of the cross. It's how God's wrath was quite. It's how God's wrath was appeased. And it was through the work of the cross. The station of propitiation. Propitiation is the mercy seat. It's where God's God, his wrath and anger were settled. The account was settled by the work of, of his son upon the cross for me. And that's what exacted the balances for me. Give God some praise. And it's the true bread that hung upon the cross. See, even in the days of Moses, God fed Israel with manna from heaven. And before the day, just right before the days of Moses, there was a great famine in the land in the days of Joseph. Are you with me here today? Moses comes forth and God feeds his people with, with the manna from heaven. Egypt having just passed through a great famine. And the Bible talks about how God dealt with the economics of Egypt. How he dealt with them and judged them by signs and wonders. And that's laid out in this particular passage right here. But he fed his people. He took care of his people. He took care of the precious bread. Woo! He took care of the precious barley. The sons of the kingdom. He took care of them. He fed them in the wilderness. Being led by a man child. In the third millennium of history. Having judged the economy of Egypt. Brought them out of a pagan situation. Having used a Joseph before that, right before the third millennium, having used a Joseph right before that, seven years of famine, you've got to see God. Because God will deal with all of it. But he's, see, he's going he's to touch the natural with a crisis. He's going to touch the natural with a famine. He's going to touch the natural in days to come with hunger and starvation like the world has never seen. But he's going to take care of his own. He's going to take care of the woman in the wilderness. Because she's got a man child in her womb. Just as he took care of Israel in the wilderness. The woman in the wilderness. He's going to take care of a woman in the wilderness in the future. He's going to feed her. He's going to prepare a table for her. In the midst of her enemies. You understand what I'm telling? The third day of creation, God made the plants, and the plants produce the wheat and the barley and the oil and the wine comes from the awesome grape. It was on the third day of creation that God made that. Give God some praise. And when Jesus came into the world, it was the third day. He's going to die on the fourth day. It's the third day that they weighed in the balances. 30 pieces of silver to betray the Son of God. And they sold him into death. 
And on the fourth day, he dies on the cross, fulfilling this seal right here. Are you with me? So that rider speaks of redemption. This, this rider with these balances, Libra, coming forth with redemption, coming forth with wrath, but with a lamb under his arm. Hallelujah. Speaks of a propitiation for sin. God's wrath appeased in his work. But if you're not in that covenant, then you can experience the awesome famine and thirst that's going to come by not having God in your life. Hallelujah. Are you with me here today? Give God a hand clap of praise. That's what those balances speak of. One side, there's a star in one side, which in the Hebrew means to sweep away. God took away the sin. Balanced the scale. One on the top there, hallelujah. One of the stars on the top, uh, top plate of Libra. It literally means to pay the price for that which was deficient. Here he comes. And connected with Libra, that, those balances, there is a constellation just an, that's associated with it. It's called the cross. And it was by the work of the cross. That he did what he did for you and I. Give God some praise. And connected also with it, the second deacon, there is what is called the victim. The victim. Going back to the cross, in some constellation studies, it will show you a lion with his head turned backwards, with his tongue hanging out of his mouth, saying, I thirst. And that lion's name is victory in connection to the cross. Going down to the next deacon, vacant, uh, uh, victim. Victim is seen in some constellation studies as a lamb that was slain. The victim. Give God some praise. In some constellations, the victim is seen as a wolf. In some constellations, it's seen as a young man. Reuben over his banner. Reuben's name means the vision of the sun. See the man. See the work of the man on the cross. And in that victim constellation, that deacon, you've got the balances, Libra. Then you've got the cross. Then you've got the victim. Seen as the lamb. But in some constellation studies, it's seen as a youth with a horn in his hand. The shofar. And from the death of a male lamb comes the victory and the balances are exacted. And in that horn, that shofar, it's filled with flowers and it's filled with fruits. And some cultures call it Capricornia, I think it is, something like that. But really it's the shofar, it's the male, the horn of a, from the death of a male lamb. And it's full of fruit. It's full of a harvest. It's full of reproduction. He's the first man. He's the seed. There's a harvest that's going to come forth. And that's in connection with the victim. And then the third deacon that's in, that's connected with Libra is the cross. And it's one of the only constellations in the heavens that literally in the shape of the cross. I mean, in the shape of a crown. Did I say the cross? It's the crown. The crown. The crown. Aren't you glad you know him today? That what gets you to the crown, what gets you to headship, is the work of the balances. The work of redemption. The work of propitiation. The, oh, yeah. The work of the cross. The work of the lamb. The victim. Is what gets you to the throne room. 
You need to see it. So it causes you to mature in the headship. So that's what this is seen as. Aren't you glad you know him today? I am thankful for his awesome, awesome word. And I know in that future, in that third year of that tribulation period, just right before you enter into the middle of the tribulation period, which starts the great tribulation, I know this is going to be a future thing that's going to hit this earth. But there is a people who have understanding of the balances in the hand of the black rider. They understand how their spiritual darkness was defeated. They understand how that God can use Satan, the darkness, to sift their wheat. They understand how precious it is and how rare it is to be people of the word and people of integrity. Watch. I'll go to Matthew in just a minute in closing. Let's go to Revelation again, 6. And he says, There's a measure of wheat for a penny. Speaks of the death of Jesus in John 12. And three measures of barley for a penny. That thesis, that barley is connected with the resurrection. And see thou hurt, not the oil and the wine. Don't hurt the oil or the wine. On the third day, when Jesus was weighed in the balances, betrayed, he was anointed a second time. So that on that third day, he could not be hurt nor his disciples hurt on that day. It wasn't until the fourth day of crucifixion that he was allowed to be hurt. Are you with me here today? So that the wine and the oil could not be hurt on the third day. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to show you here. But God's got a people who have a flow. God's got a people who have an anointing. God's got a people who have the wine. They got the blood. They got the finished work. They understand the wheat and the barley and how rare it is, how precious it is. They understand that they are there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And when he'd opened the fourth seal, we, that takes you right into the middle of the tribulation period, that seal. Let's go to Matthew 24, and I'm going to close. Verse 7. And nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Here we go. Struggle of kingdoms. I'm right on time. Struggle of kingdoms. There's a struggle of kingdoms right now. That's what this is all about, man. And there shall be famines. I believe that with all my heart. I believe there will be a, a, an antichrist that comes forth. I will be. I do believe there's going to be war that's going to hit this world. The red horse. I do believe there's going to be a black horse that's going to follow that war with great famine like the world has never seen. I believe that in ultimate little sin. But I'm trying to show you that God's going to have a people that's connected with the beast with, with the face of a man. That's going to come forth with an understanding of what those balances are really all about. There's going to be a Daniel that's going to come forth on the scene. And it's going to declare where people are lacking in the balance. But at the same time, show them how that Jesus exacted the weights. And if they'll walk in his kingdom and be willing to be purged and purified, even by Satan, God. Even when the sledge bust in their hide even when the the stick beating up a little bit 
They moved to a place of being the precious bread. Easily broken. Easily. Oh, got to hear me. And I'm not talking about a man who has, who enjoys taking his stick out and beating people. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a man who enjoys rolling over people. I am talking about a man who understands his purpose in the kingdom of God. To see a people raised up by God to manifest him in this hour. And you know who that man is? Hello. There are people looking for an answer. And if all you do for them is give them a soothsaying, you have no answer for them. If all you do is give them wisdom of the world, you have no, no answer for them. You all, all you try to do is try to interpret their dream in a natural realm. You have no answer for them. Because that's where most people live. They live out there doing their own thing, having their own dreams, their own kingdoms. Learn from the mistake of your daddy. He had a dream. He saw himself turn into a beast. You understand what I'm trying to tell you here? Are y'all just used to this stuff? Y'all just used to the word? You just got used to it? It just, you know, I, I'm just saying, come on, church. We need to value what we've got. We need to value what God is making us to be. It's not psychology I need. It's the Word of God that I need. The church is full of filthy dreams. We need candles. We need men of God, women of God. When you go out in the workplace and you represent the kingdom of God, people see that light. They see that glory. You don't have to be a pulpit preacher to be that son of God that declares the Father. That's what it's all about. Famine's going to come. Amos 9. Famine's coming. Famine's here. In most places. I'm at war with carnality. I'm at war with carnal kings. I'm at war with a beast. I'm resisting going the way of all flesh. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I want to be what God says we're to be in this last day. And it's something to me that even the people in the world recognize a true man or a true woman of God. And they also recognize soothsayers and wise men and Chaldeans. The world recognizes it. Don't be a phony. Don't be a fake. Because even the world knows that. Tell you. Hallelujah. I got... We got some little children in the church. Y'all raising them up right. Man, they go to school, and they're like little lights in darkness, man. They're, they're, they're like a light in the midst of that dark, dark horse. They stand up, and they declare the Word of God. They tell teachers what's wrong and what's right in connection with holidays.
There was one of them in this church, and, and I, please don't take this wrong because I don't mean this in any, any negative way, but uh, there's some churches that, you know, they, they haven't got there. There was a time when I wasn't there that I didn't understand, you know, the significance of the holidays. And so there's a lot of churches that preach the truth that still hasn't got there yet. And they, they don't see that um, it's important to not observe certain things. And uh, I was there, so I'm not pointing a finger. But what I'm saying is this, is that we got little children that walk up. They know more than some people have been, been in Pentecost for a long time. And they'll just, they'll tell them the truth. And it blows their mind. One little girl walked up to a teacher and said, you're, you're in the same belief that we are. Don't you preach the same thing we preach? See, I'm telling you, you're doing a good work. Because they're going out there. And these little children are lights in the kingdom of God. They are manifesting God. Let me share something with you. What makes the difference between rare grain and common grain is that at some point the common grain got satisfied. I'm satisfied with where I am. That's common grain. Don't be common grain. Be rare grain. Costly grain. Pricey grain. Don't ever get to a place where you say, I'm satisfied. Always stay in a place of the rare grain that says, I'm never satisfied. Can't get enough of the Word. Can't get enough of God. Can't grow enough. That's the difference between common grain and rare grain. The common grain got satisfied. The rare grain said, I'm going to keep growing to fullness. I'm going to grow to perfection. I'll not be satisfied, David said, till I awaken thy likeness. Never going to get satisfied. That's rare grain. That's rare people. And I pastor some rare people. I know I do. But we haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. So I'm going to keep letting God boom, do that to me. And I'm going to keep letting God roll over me when he needs to roll over me. And I'm going to keep letting God send Satan to sift me whenever he wants to send Satan to sift me. Because it's only through that process that the pure grain, the rare grain, the costly grain comes forth. And Amos, I, I close with this. I'm a little bit over time here, but just give me a little bit of grace here to finish this out. And by no means have we covered it all. We could be on a lot of things talking about it. By the way, you know the word yoke when we preach the, word, the message on yoke? I didn't tell you this, but I studied yoke. The word yoke means a crossbar and a balance. So if you're ever going to be what you're supposed to be, if you're ever going to be balanced, the only balance, the only balance you're ever going to find is being yoked to Him. Take my yoke upon. You will never be in balance until you're yoked with Him. Because the yoke that you're balanced, that you're yoked with to Him, is what brings balance to your life. And it's the same word that's used. The word yoke there is the same word that's used in Revelation six, turning the balance in the hand. See, and I knew that when I preached that yoke message, but I didn't have time. But I'm just telling you, the only balance you're ever going to find is in Him. Being yoked to Him, Jesus said, "I delight to do Thy will, O God." I don't just hear the word, but I respond to the word. And that's what makes the difference between life and death. And that's what brings a balance in your life.
Aren't you glad? I say, I want to be a balanced man. I want to be a balanced minister. I want to preach judgment on one hand. I want to preach forgiveness on another. You know what I'm saying? Amos 9. Behold, the days come, verse 13. Saith the Lord that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. Are you, are you hearing that? God's a good God, isn't he? It's, for, it's actually Amos 8. I, th- I said Amos 9. Let's turn to Amos 8. 8.11 Behold the days come saith the Lord God and I will send a famine in the land not a famine of bread nor thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find in that day shall the fair virgins, young men, faint for thirst. In connection with that consolation. There's a woman seen with a cup in her hand giving, giving it to the victim. The fair virgins and young men shall faint for thirst. They that swear by the sin of Samaria and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth. And the man of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise. Again. I'm thankful today for the word. I am so grateful today for the bread that I see here today. I'm thankful for men and women who are growing and maturing in God. I told somebody just the other day, I had a, had a, uh, and please, I'm not, I don't always have visions and always have dreams. But when I, when I do, I know they're from God or not. I had a vision of somebody in our church that I pastored. And I saw them in the face of that woman in Revelation 12 producing the man child I saw their face in the place of that woman's face and I saw their face in the cloud and God spoke to me and he said this is the people that you are pastoring they will come forth the face of that person represents the people you pastor they will come forth and you need to see yourself as having great opportunity to have sowed seed in their lives the word of God the bread in their life so that they will grow by that bread and mature into that place Lord not about me it's about my responsibility to bring you to a place of maturity and growth and perfection that someday your face will be seen in the face of that woman with a man child you understand this thing I'm thankful for the flow I'm thankful for the blood I'm thankful today for the bread thankful for the word and I'm thankful for the sons of God who really really walk with God who want to walk with God. Who are not just church people. I thank God for people. Just like. Let's stand. Father God I thank you today for your awesome word. Praise God. That you have given to us. Let us never get lukewarm. Let us never get satisfied. Let us never lose our first love. Lord God let us go on. In you and maturity and growth. Where we've come short, where we're weighed in the balance and found wanting. Today, Lord God, we stand in your house. Letting the word of God balance the balances. 
that in the word of God bring forth integrity out of us that we would come forth as the pure grain in this last day that we might manifest the Father the kingdom of God in this earth and when famine hits this land in the natural there will be a people that will be protected when famine hits this land in the natural and the beast uses famine to gain power to give a mark of a beast that with it men might buy and sell without it they cannot let there be a people who have learned to walk with you in faith walk in the word in Jesus name we pray amen amen be balanced in him be yoked in him that's the only balance you're going to find and treasure what you have if you don't treasure what you have you'll sell it in fact when we go through the book of Revelation you can turn the cameras off when we go through the book of Revelation you're going to see that Babylon sells these very things it traffics in the souls of men and it sells these very things that's Babylon buy the truth sell it not buy the truth sell it if it's not valuable to you you'll sell it not to the highest bidder to any bidder amen so the writer says buy the truth sell sell when things come in your life draw you away from the kingdom of God his purpose no 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 I'm the precious drink I'm not for sale my walk's not for sale I'm yoked to him you remember Naomi she walked over there and she uncovered the feet Boaz in the field uncovered his feet laid up there beside his feet you know what she's saying I want to walk your walk I want to walk your walk God's looking for a people that's going to walk that walk and I just happen to be blessed with the people I believe are going to mature to that level some of you some of you I pray all of you hallelujah one thing I'm a little bit concerned about though and that is that you go higher than me you get taller than me have more glory you know praise the Lord it's my only concern because this does the work right here as long as I preach this book right here hallelujah it's not me I don't do it this book does it right here this thing this word right here this precious precious grain right there that's what does the work in all of your heart as long as you desire to walk it out as long as you desire to flesh it out as long as you desire to respond to it you'll be okay and you'll continue to grow and you'll become this book an epistle known in red all by Daniel I love you God bless you we will see you tonight in the name of Jesus